there was a huge crowd that was really swelling right out right outside the Capitol. And it was around lunchtime when we got that first evacuation call. My name is Linda Laurel, and I'm asking you to have the courage to listen with an open mind to all of our voices, because our voices matter. Hi, everybody. It's Linda Laurel. Welcome to another episode of Our Voices Matter podcast. Talking today with the young dynamo who truly gives me hope for our nation's future. His name is Sherman Tylosky, and he refers to himself as a young American patriot and George Washington enthusiast. He also describes himself as an aspiring statesman who grew up learning U.S. history and politics, both inside and outside of the classroom. I have no doubt we're going to be hearing a lot more from this young man in the years to come. He has a remarkable story to share because he was a congressional intern on January 6th and was in lockdown on the grounds of the U.S. Capitol during the January 6th insurrection. His insight and his perspective are riveting and interesting and informative, and I can't wait for you to enjoy the conversation that I had with him. Um, Again, he gives me hope for our nation's future. So here now, my conversation with Sherman Tylosky. I understand that you have worked on, worked on both sides of the aisle. So tell us a little bit about, um, about what that experience is like. And if you, if you can tell us who, who you worked for um, on, on both sides before we start to talk about January 6th. Sure. Well, um, I really wanted to find a way to serve the the national legislature of the United States. I know that there's oftentimes in politics, we talk a lot about the executive branch, which is very important, but I wanted to learn more about this, this Congress when we, when we hear a lot about, but I didn't really understand how it worked. And I decided to go for it and find an opportunity in the summer 2019. So between my first year and my second year at the Bush School, uh, everyone usually do does like an immersion, like a language immersion or an internship. So I decided to do the internship route and I decided to apply for my home district congressman's office. Um, I really, really wanted to understand, first of all, if I must start with why I decided to intern for both sides of the aisle. Um, first is that I really value this idea that we cannot live in a stable political environment if we can consider each other enemies. There's just no way around it. And I really just wanted to break that right away, which is understanding that we might, I might have disagreements with someone, but that doesn't mean that that person doesn't want economic prosperity. That doesn't mean that this person is a bad person. It just means that maybe we have a different route of going to the same destination. And that's really the crux of why I decided to, to intern. But the other thing too, was also I needed to make connections with people on both sides because Sometimes there are issues when you need to have people from the other side to maybe join you in a conversation about a topic like January 6th or about uh, other issues with regards to finding national unity, finding some kind of common ground and, ha- and having a more united 
team around bigger issues that are bigger than any one of us is yeah. really, really, really important. I decided to apply for internship for the summer 2019, and I just got to do all kinds of tasks. Uh, notably, who was this internship with? Uh, this was for Congressman Mike Thompson of California. Okay. Uh, he uh, is re represents the fifth district of California. He's a great. And which side of the aisle is he on? Just so we can. Keep uh, he's a Democrat. Yes. Democrat. Okay. So he's a Democrat. Uh, he's a great person to get to know. He really, really loves his district so much, and I was just very, I was very, very grateful to have learned so much from him and his staff as well. His staff are the really yeah. the ones who. Who help you? And that first time, for the first day, I'm always obviously very nervous. Of don't I'm not sure. I can not, only imagine. I can right. Only imagine. <laughs> so, so who did you intern for on the other side of the aisle? Uh, so I interned in the spring of 2021 for Congressman Jody Heiss of Georgia. He's a Republican, uh, represents the Athens area. Uh, he too is also a wonderful gentleman to get to know, a, a, a true public servant as well. I also want to thank his staff too. I've mentioned the staff both times already, but they really, the staff at the Capitol really are fantastic people. They work mm -hmm. so hard, oftentimes very long hours. You know, it doesn't well, matter. And, you know, we've heard in the wake of January 6th, we've heard a lot about the dedication of the staff of yes. um, the members. And so That's I right. think it's great that you're, you know, you're pointing that out and, and giving them their props because they certainly deserve it. So let's talk a little bit about January 6th. Sure. Um, who were you interning for on that day? And where were you as things began to unfold? I remember on that morning, I was having a little trouble because of the security protocols. I, I, at that time, there was only limited services. So I didn't get my ID till um, till that day. I actually, for the first few days, I was escorted by staff members. But the third day, I I really, str I couldn't, we couldn't even access the building without a member being present, essentially, uh, or if it was like a high ranking staffer, that, that's my recollection. And so I actually had to, uh, to have my member come down and, and pick me up to take me into the building, which was quite quite a ceremonial moment there a little bit. You kind of feel like, oh, this yeah, is Yeah, it just speaks to, yes. the, it speaks to the gravity of, of just the situation and, and where yes. we are, where we were at that moment with COVID and then also with all of the, the, um, the chatter that was going on surrounding the rally and what might or might not happen. So, exactly. So take yes. us further into the day. So as the day progressed, what happened? Sure. Well, I I got in and I was told just get your ID, you know, and that and I turned and I went to down to the ID office, got my ID, and who knew that that actually would be a very much a, rep a a very valuable tool that I could use if something were to go wrong at that day. That's so that's kind of what I was was told, and um, I remember. We were feeling a lot of phone calls because this was a wake of the Georgia elections. Obviously, the certification was being uh, uh, held uh, in the, the main Capitol building. I was not in the main building. I was in one of the House offices then. Okay. And I remember knowing about and obviously learning about the rally. And then I was able to, through news reports and through TV, to see that there was a huge crowd that was really swelling right out right outside the Capitol. 
And it was around lunchtime when we got that first evacuation call. And the, the vacuum, from the information I heard, it was that there was a bomb outside the RNC building, which is very, very close to the house buildings. That was the first thing. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, what, yeah, so what, what do you mean? I mean? What were you thinking at that moment? I mean, take well, us. I, I just, I was just like, I, I, I didn't know what to believe because you know, it's really hard to, to figure out, you know, what's what, if, you know, they need to go, go there and check it out. And, you know, not to mention that if, you know, God forbid it, it, it went off, you know, it, it could have injured or unfortunately killed someone. Yeah. And I was just, I did, I really, at that point I knew that this was some, something major is going to happen. And I didn't want this to happen for sure, obviously, but, but for something that, severe um mm-hmm. to be evacuated the first time yeah. i was evacuated to a different part of the complex okay. and it, we actually got got the call back saying that it, it, we got the all clear and that we were able to safely to go back to our office but then not even like a minute later we get a second evacuation call mm-hmm. and the information i got at least from what i knew was that there was an intruder in the cannon building that was that was all I heard, and you don't that's know where building, this person that's is. The building that you were in. Yes, I was in the Cannon Building, and and that's the only and and all the the house uh, house buildings and everything are connected. So you don't know where that person is. You, all you know is that there could be someone right. in the Cannon Building, somebody who should not be there because was possibly there. So exactly, give us a sense of how close the Cannon Building is to the Capitol itself. Um, and how it's connected, if you can. Sure. So there, um, there is a tunnel that connects the Cannon Building and the Capitol Building, and you know, it's obviously used you know, for because of the inclement weather that can happen in DC and everything. Uh, it's a it's a very well known tunnel. It's a it's a very it seems like a very long way, and I've felt that way many times walking through it. But there is that that con- that connection between the Cannon Building, really the House Buildings, because they're all connected. And the the main Capitol building, and when when you have someone in, intruding in that in that in the Cannon building, now they can have access depending on where they are. They yeah. can they can run down down that tunnel. So it, it was just a very uncertain moment. And when we got evacuated, I, I can't disclose exactly where we were, but I remember just being in hiding in this uh, in this room somewhere, you know, kind of like a bit of a dark room. But it was. Were it was you, just. Were real. you with other people? Were you? I was. I was with members of Congress and staffers, and uh, wow. it was. We were all just kind of. It, it was. It was a pretty and large how space. Many, how many would you say were in the in the space where you were um, huddled up? I'd say probably a, a couple dozen, if you add up uh, some other people as well. So it it wasn't like members, a huge group. And, and and other folks. Yes, that's right. And how long were you? How long were you there? I was in lockdown for about probably five, six hours. It was a long, 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 long um, time. And, you know, all you can really do, if I'm going to say, all you can do is was we're kind of tuned into our phones and the TV. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. So were yeah. you able, your, your communications were still uh, op- operational. So you were still able to uh, hear the reports of what was happening on television. Were you able to reach out to your family? Were you, you know, calling your mom and dad and saying, "Hey, I'm, I'm okay. Don't worry." W- what, what were you doing? 
Absolutely. I, I got started getting text messages from my parents, from friends. And some, there was one guy who had given me a lift uh, from the airport uh, and just a few days ago. It was just, just like, and Hey man, are you okay? Like, this is just crazy. Like, I, cause he knew that I was working on that day. And I told my parents what was happening. I gave him up to text message updates. Um, I've made sure that I was telling people say, I'm, I'm all right for, for now. I'm in, I'm all, I'm in a secluded location, but it was really just watching the footage that uh, from TV and from social media you know, my heart really sank because I, I mentioned earlier that I, I interned on in summer 2019. I was bringing visitors into the capital to show them around, to show them how beautiful a place it is. When I really saw this destruction, this des- desecration of or the people's house, that's mm-hmm. what really, really bothers me a lot because that's a place that I revere so much and that we all revere. And to see that and, and to not not being able to do anything about it i would you know just seeing some of that footage especially how the officers were treated uh by these rioters uh it was just very very it was it was very very sad and you know to this day i still like i still think about that day and it's just kind of unconscious you know i'm i'm i mean i'm all right physically but or mentally but it's just when i see news about it you know, I just can't help well, but think about it's, that. It's, it's just heart wrenching, and and you know, just we're so as we're recording this on July 30th, it was just earlier this week that we had the first day of the um, the hearing on the January 6th insurrection, and the four officers testified, and uh, I cried through the entire thing. I you know, it just I I cried probably even more on that day than I did on the day that it actually happened. Because, you know, on January 6th, we're all sort of watching in horror and disbelief, really, and, you know, trying to synthesize and process. But then when you hear the actual first person accounts of the officers who literally, um, you know, put their lives on the line to protect members and every and you and everybody else who was there and having to be in seclusion because of the attack that was happening was just heartbreaking. And even more so is now to see the reaction of those who still do not want to admit what took place in spite of seeing it in front of their very eyes and now demonizing the officers for sharing their truth and, and, and saying this is what happened to me, and this is what, you know, all of us experienced. So as someone who um, not only was there and, you know, went through that on a, on a personal level, but also as someone who has dedicated his life, is dedicating his life to helping us see both sides of an issue, what are your thoughts um, about how we move forward from here? Um, you said you just gave, you used to give people tours through the Capitol. Well, there was one member of Congress who said what happened that day was nothing unlike just a nice little tour. Well, clearly that's not true. So what, what are your thoughts? Absolutely. Well, you know, there's a lot to unpack here. I'll, I'll start off with one thing, which is I absolutely support, and I, I believe a lot of people support 
learning more about what happened on that day. And whether it's through a commission or a committee, I mean, kind of went back and forth a little bit for the last few months until the, the committee was established. I really believe that we really need to be completely honest with ourselves and say, just because we want to know more about what happened that day does not mean that you know we we hate other each other or we don't like the the country we just want to find out what happened and then fix it i mean so i think that's the basic that. principle isn't right. it so it I mean, won't happen again yeah. exactly and i i want to just address one quick thing before i get to kind of some of the things that we can do before which is i have uh, i mentioned staff earlier i also want to mention my uh, my appreciation towards not only my office staff who were so professional, so caring for, for my safety and for the well-being of others, um, and uh, also for the member and for others as well, but also I have an appreciation for Capitol Police. Um, I, I also remember that day, I was not working that day, but we also, we lost another Capitol Police officer uh, right around Easter time. And you you see how what what the capital police has just gone through the last few months and obviously you see national guard there um you know interning on the hill when you have guardsmen so many more guardsmen than people than staffers and members combined i mean that's just unheard of mm-hmm. and i i just want to just say say that you know the, the testimony that the officers gave but also uh just what capital police has gone through uh, especially the the officers there is is truly remarkable and what they do is every single day it's a it's a simple task they don't get a lot of credit and it's not over for them i mean and they'll they'll be living with the after the aftermath and the after effects on their physical and mental you know on their bodies and in their minds as they move as they live the rest of their lives it's it's not over exactly yes and so Number one is definitely we have to have a commitment to figure finding out the facts. It does not have to be partisan. You know, people want try to make it partisan. I think it's because they they just want to pick a fight and they want to portray themselves as superior over someone or to try to demonize someone. Um, and sometimes it's for other political purposes, just for purpose of pursuing power. And if we can set that aside and focus on what happened on that day and recognizing that there's a lot of people who care about this building, about this place, about this democracy. That is, that is a starting point for us. And I, that's why I'm, I'm someone. Sure. Let me ask you a quick question here uh, to follow up to the point you just made. Um, You said, you know, if we can um, agree to, you know, let's find the facts, let's find out what happened here. So I'm wondering if you have talked to anyone who does not want the commission to take place, does not want an investigation to take place. Have you personally had a chance to talk to anyone who has that point of view? And if so, what did you say to them? I personally have not, since since the attack, I've not personally, because it didn't materialize until like about a month ago or a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. I haven't had a, an opportunity to meet someone who fundamentally disagree with the with with investigation. I do think that there's obviously people who differ on like what a commission or a committee would look like. Obviously, some people want like a 9-11 style commission or a committee that had equal uh, numbers, kind of like the ethics committee. Ethics committee oh, has there, an equal there number. There was an opportunity for there to be equal numbers. And, mm-hmm. yes. you know, 
the, the Republicans decided that they didn't want that. And so now we have the committee that we have. So if you could speak to someone who does not want this commission to take place or just thinks that we need to move on, as many have said, we just need to get over it and move on and not try to deconstruct what happened so that it doesn't happen again. What, what, is an ar- what is an argument that can be made or what is a conversation do you think that can be had to help that person understand the importance of getting to the truth? Sure. Well, I would, I would take that person and say, imagine if you, you were in, in that position. I, I would say take, if you were in the position of a Capitol Police officer, if you were in position of someone who was worse in Washington not because of the pay, because the pay can be very, very competitive, uh, not competitive as in like numbers, but in terms of of how low the pay can be. I mean, there's there's news reports about that. When you have people who go to Washington because they care about their country and they care about the duties of carrying out the office which they represent, people they represent, not to mention how many sacrifices, countless civil servants, staffers, employees, uh, members, and others have put to live in Washington and work in Washington for the benefit of, of the country. If you, if that person can just imagine that maybe they can, they'll have a different say about that. Maybe they'll, they'll rethink, maybe I wouldn't be so, so opposed to investigation of some kind. If I understood what this meaning of public services for countless people. Yeah. And it, it's a it's a hard conversation to have if I were to have a conversation with someone because I don't think they would want to converse with someone like me, right? Well, because but, but here's the thing, you know, and I mean I, I love I'm so glad we're talking about this. Um sure. and especially, you know, talking with you because you were there and you've got a really sure. interesting and unique perspective. Um and I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And that's the whole premise of, of this podcast, which is trying to help us understand that, you know, we pre- pretty much want the same things. Okay. Yes. And that if we could, if you could put yourself in the shoes of the Capitol police officer, if you could put yourself in the shoes of the public servant and understand from his or her point of view, what it, what it's like to walk in their shoes, Right. We had that opportunity this week. These men cried. They laid their souls bare. And yet there are still people who refuse to put themselves in those shoes. And that's why, you know, I I mean, it's like, okay, what is it going to take? What is it going to take for us to stop feeling that it's all about me? It's all about my personal rights and my personal freedoms. Well, last time I checked, we were all part of this society and that we have, you know, we have societal constructs and norms and things that allow us to live our lives and to protect each other at the same time. So, you know, I'm, I think it's important to have conversations like this and I'm searching for, you know, solutions and language and, tools to help us bridge this divide that even when someone, a big, strong police officer, you know, gets in front of a microphone and television cameras that are broadcast across the globe and cries that it still doesn't get to some people. What is it going to take? I I just, I don't understand. 
help me, Sherman, help me, help me understand, help us, help us get to that next step. Cause it's your generation, babe. It's your generation. That's going to get us there. How old are you, by the way? I'm 24 this year. 24. Okay. So, you know, it's going to be on you guys. It's, but, but people of my generation, we need to, we need to do our part and, you know, and stop this, this, this thing from rolling downhill. So how do we get that boulder to go back up? Absolutely. Well, first of all, Linda, I really appreciate you sharing your sentiment about this because that openness of sharing how you felt and how the officers felt, that I think is yet another thing we need to be, we need to push for, which is just being open, being genuine about ourselves. Because there's a lot, of, I will tell you, Linda, there's, there's, I, I believe, this is my opinion, but I believe there's a lot more people who were in the Capitol, who were in lockdown, like myself, who want to speak out, but because of maybe their capacity or something, which is understandable uh, to some degree, um, they might not be willing to speak out, or maybe they have only spoken to a handful of individuals. Um, I, I don't. I hope that people will find that courage to speak out and say, "This is how I generally felt." I wanted to put my thoughts and my emotions on the record because I know that this is vitally important. I speak about this because not because I think it's a pleasant subject. I think I say I speak it because as you were kind of alluding to, this is something that young people need to understand as well. Especially those as I mean, think about how we're going to build that next generation of public service leaders. You know, every generation needs to have a sustainable public service um you know draw and liking for. Otherwise how are we going to attract the best and the brightest to work for our nation and to work, uh, I think, in various different kinds of capacities? I think there's so many other ways that we can bring, expand the public service pie, so to speak, to include cyber and other professionals. But I think it really starts with having people understand what happened on that day, understanding that this this day was about a number of different things that have gone wrong. Not just, you can't just blame Capitol Police. You can't just blame security at that event. There's a number of things that we need, we can do better. It's not because we didn't, we took part in the riots. It's because we can all have a role in doing our part to be more civil and to have more conversations, to have more dialogue. I encourage people to, if anyone has any even mutual connections with anyone who works at the Capitol and everything, sit down and have a conversation with them. Ask them, ask them saying, how are you doing? Um, how do you feel about the state of, of the nation right now? What can I do? What can my community do to, and to help you to g- give you more faith and confidence um, and and support you in what you do in public service. That I think is, you know, having those communities come together around public service and to have more opportunities to grow those opportunities beyond just what we have in Washington, but to have people from all across the country to uh, be able to pitch in. I mentioned cyber earlier. That could be another avenue where we can have people get involved in civics and understanding the the framework of how our nation is governed mm-hmm. and it, it's it's a topic that i care a lot about and this is why i've done interviews about january 6th on other shows and i i really believe that this is this is something we we can't let go because if we if we just brush it off 
I, I fear that the remnants of it are, are going to grow back or going to come yeah. back. And we I, I, I completely happen. agree. And I, I love the fact that you're, you know, that you're sharing this on podcasts like this. And then you have your own podcast, Friends and Fellow Citizens, where, you know, you're, you're talking about all of these issues that are, are so vital to keeping us as a, as a thriving democracy. So as you look toward the future, your future in particular, um, what do you see? Are you planning to run for office someday? What's your What's your goal here? Absolutely, that is my goal. I l- would love to run for office. Am I've, I interviewing a future president of the United States? <laughs> you never know. <laughs> I would love to run for office because I I really believe that having this opportunity to go for something higher, not for, for power, but to be able to have that change. I will just emphasize about those two congressional internships I've had, which uh, have been are huge cornerstones and foundations for what, what I would like to do in the future. I've, I've learned to appreciate so many more people who don't uh, maybe don't get as much credit as they probably should. I've gotten to connect with people whom I maybe uh, don't agree with politically, but who are just fantastic people to speak to and to work with. I've gone to get to know constituents and show them around that that beautiful building, showing those beautiful paintings, the statues, uh, show, even bringing them to the House chamber and the Senate chamber uh, when, when they were open, just to be able to, to have them and to witness that so much history is happening there in those two chambers. Yeah. It's just a remarkable feeling. And for me, I would like to bring that spirit of patriotism and that service to the office, whatever office uh, I'm elected to. I would love to bring that and not only find the policies and pass the laws that make people's lives better, but to also understand that each office is an is should be an institution, and knowing yeah. that it's not you're not the one you don't own that position. That position is going to be passed along uh, when as people are going to get elected. So understanding the institution of Congress of whatever position that I like to run for, that is going to be a top priority for me as I as I approach uh, as I approach the, in the future years. Uh, I can't wait to see what's going to happen. And what's I, I can't up. wait to see it either. I really can't. I cannot wait to see what, you know, what you're going to do next and, uh, you know, when you might decide to run for office. And, and I, you know, I have so enjoyed this conversation on many levels. And, and what I think I, I love most about this conversation is that as we kind of wrap it up, I have no idea what your political ideology is. And more important, I don't care. It doesn't matter because we have had a very robust, I think, interesting conversation. And, you know, we may or may not be aligned politically, but it doesn't matter. We're aligned as humans. We, you know, we, we want to see our society move forward and we want all of us to prosper. So I hope this conversation serves as a, you know, as a, a, a bit of a catalyst for others to, to just talk and listen to what somebody else has to say. And I just love the approach that you have taken so early in your life of, you know, wanting to, you know, working for somebody on, the, on one side of the aisle and somebody else on the other side of the aisle and, you know, making a conscious decision 
to study overseas and get a perspective that's completely outside of what you grew up with. And knowing that all of those different perspectives are going to make you a whole human being who can empathize with and relate to people from all walks of life. So kudos to you. I just, you know, when I, when I think about, you know, if we have more young people who are approaching their lives in the way that you are, then I think we're going to be just fine. Thank you so much. uh, I just, you know, uh, my hat's off to you. So what is next as we, as we wrap up here? What, what is, what's next for you and, and what is the, the one thing that you want to leave our audience with today? Absolutely. Well, next steps for me, I love to pursue a doctorate degree. That's kind of my last stretch in my formal education side. I mean, I think education happens 24-7 in my opinion, but I would just say formal education for me. I'm doctorate in what? Uh, hopefully in leadership or okay. uh, public policy. That's kind of my ideal area. We'll see how that goes. Uh, there's a lot of things are still pending right now, but I'm also looking at starting my own business and so starting and in a, my own organization that can have more people to come together and to have conversations and to understand our civics and be able to appreciate our history, our history, learn from it, the good the, and the bad and the ugly, but also just have 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 a great time and just talk about what, what we're excited about or some of the issues that we'd love to have more conversations about. There's so many issues out there that we can have robust conversations. And I'll leave the audience with this. I remember I had a conversation with someone in London and I had, I remember sitting down with him and we had, I didn't really know about this guy. He was in my class. I, I did a liberal arts degree, but with a focus in politics, I didn't know a lot about this guy, but I just thought, you know, this guy was really friendly to me like a year ago. So why not? And so we grabbed a coffee and we just had a very honest conversation about what he believed in and what I believed in. We were politically very far apart on a lot of issues, but we came together on, on, on some and, um, he, he unfortunately is not with us anymore, uh, but he died at a very young age. But I will never forget that power of that cup of coffee with someone and to have an honest conversation to learn more about him. I think about him quite a, quite a bit every time I think about this idea of sitting down with someone and just talk, and talking and being completely honest and open about each other. And I hope that you know, my experiences, although I was frightened. I was scared. I was very, I was very disgusted with what happened on January 6th. But I believe that if more people came together and had honest dialogue about what happened on that day, but also ways in which people can just get to know one another. And that's my message is to get to know one another. Also, I I will say one last thing, which is, you know, we, we can have, I believe, we can have our debates about politics and everything, but let's also enjoy the other things that, uh, that are amazing in life, you know, going to a sports game, rooting for your favorite team, or, you know, going to a birthday party, having lots of cake or something, being, being able to appreciate all these other elements of life is also really, really important. I think that's also going to be very, very sustainable as we kind of figure out a way to not only have a more sustainable uh, political environment, but also to have a sustainable nation where we can enjoy so many freedoms and so many aspects of our lives that can make us very, very happy, but also one that can be more unified together. 
as we go through in these next few years and next few decades. I love it. Love the message. Love what you um, are doing on your podcast and just the chart, the, the course that you have charted for yourself and for your future. So please stay in touch with us. Keep us abreast of what you're doing. And um, I just look forward to, uh, to watching you soar because I have no doubt you will. Thank you so much, Linda. I really appreciate it all. And thank you all for listening. Thank you all for, for joining us today. Okay. Thanks so much, Sherman. You take care. Thank you so much. Didn't I tell you he was a dynamo? <laughs> if you want to continue to follow Sherman's adventures, you can, of course, catch up with him on his podcast, Friends and Fellow Citizens, which we will link to in the show notes and, um, and link to everything that he's doing so you can continue to see what he's up to as he finishes his PhD and then goes on to run for office and who knows what else. So as always, just want to say thank you for being a part of the Our Voices Matter podcast family and community. Would love it if you would download and subscribe and share and like and review and you know all the stuff to do to help spread the word so we can continue this movement of trying to find common ground and remind us of our common humanity because we are all in this together. Thanks again for giving Sherman permission to speak and for having the courage to listen with an open mind. We'll see you next time.